everybody and welcome to Backing Paper for another week of fun-filled delights uh, with your favourite Sunny 16 people, except A's not here, but Rachel is here. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Graham. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, I'm crying laughing. I'm sorry. That was the funniest sneeze I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I funny. love it accidental sneeze and that accidental sneeze i'm sure you can probably already tell who the owner of that sneeze is but in case you can't welcome back to backing paper the wonderful one and only mike caputo aloha big mike how are you i'm very well graham thank you hello rachel hello graham. <laughs> it's great oh. to have you back with us mike it's been a while i think it's um i can't remember how long since you were last on but it's been a while well, it's fantastic to be back, I must say. I'm glad to be here and ready to talk about some podcast things. <laughs> oh, oh, good. <laughs> good. Um, when you were last We've definitely on... come in with the same vibe, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> same energy today. <laughs> last time you were on, Mike, you were just wrapping up. It was just getting to the end of your Kickstarter for the Hawaii Darkroom. Um, yeah. How's all of that stuff going? It's going very well. Um, well, I was going to shut it down since I got transferred with my, uh, regular job to the other side of the island, but, um, I found ways to generate some revenue. So I sell like postcard prints now and we've got a few new members just this week. So fortunately, I think we're going to be able to keep the dark room going. That's it was awesome. right on the edge there. I think word of mouth finally you know, it started getting around the island that uh, there was a place to do this at. And yeah, just this last week, we got three new members. So it's exciting. Right, that's awesome. Oh, I'm so pleased. Was it that um, it was just taking a little while for people to hear about you, I guess? Was that? Was that I, I think so. We tried doing, um, I tried the promotional stuff, you know, mm. just paying for advertising on Facebook and Instagram, but it, it didn't really draw anybody in. It's everybody who's come in so far has really heard about it through just uh, uh, the grapevine out here. Sure. And we did have a few workshops, though. Uh, mm -hmm. The workshops have been really fun. John Canlis came out for one. The guy who did the uh, who does the Nikonos project, he flew in from California, and we did a two-day water photography workshop, which was really cool. Ooh. Went out swimming. Shooting the Nikonos and then straight to the darkroom, develop, print. Yeah, it was a blast. Good times. Um, you these these uh, postcard prints that you're selling, or the the prints you've been, are these ones? Are you selling these just online to people, or are you selling them locally? How you? I mean, or both? Yeah, I really didn't have any intention of selling them, but uh, I offered them for free. And then a lot of people asked for one. And I thought, well, maybe I should ask for five bucks and just see if I could generate some revenue for the dark one, the the dark room. And then um, sold about 200 of them. So that helped pay the rent for a couple months. Blimey. Yeah. So That's I just amazing. put them on it, put them on Instagram and said, Hey, uh, you know, told everybody what I was trying to do. And, a lot of people were very supportive. I was overwhelmed. And I handwritten, like, I don't know, 200 postcards. It took me a long time, but it was it was fun to do. Yeah. As somebody who has received um, out of the blue one of these prints, they are stunning. <laughs> as, as is always the case with your prints, Mike. My goodness, that is a thing of uh, great beauty. Um, and do you still have any of them available for people to buy? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, How do they stack. buy them? 
Mike, how do they buy uh, you? Do they- <laughs> I guess just do the Vimeo or the PayPal. You could just use my email and PayPal me five bucks, and I'll, I'll mail one worldwide anywhere. It was pretty cool because I sent them all over the place. They were going to England, Germany, Spain, China, Africa, all over the place, Chile, cool. South America. Yeah, I'd say about half half the sales were uh, international. So. so maybe if people follow you on Instagram, they'll be able to uh, see the prints and and find out a bit more there, I guess. Sure, Yeah. <laughs> You are you are a great salesman, Mike. I can't I can't understand why that world didn't take you. I am trying my best, <laughs> um, and he still managed to sell two hundred of these. I mean, uh, what am I doing wrong? Seriously. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I just I do it mostly for fun, and then I'll yeah. throw something up on like my Instagram story and be like, "Hey, anybody want this?" And uh, I'm always surprised when people do. It's nice. You- I'm not going out of my way to make a buck, like. The dark room. I'm just trying to break even. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make a spot where you know people can go. Yeah. So I'm not trying to earn a living off of it. I'm just trying to keep the doors open. Yeah, like you say, it pays the rent, doesn't it? So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Have you ever tried selling any of your artwork locally in Hawaii, Mark? Um, Mark, Mike, Mark? whatever your name is. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> Either of you are. Yeah. Not really. I no? mean, there's a there's a couple there's a store downstairs called Hanalo, and uh, the landlord is the guy I rent from, and his daughter runs the store, and uh, she let me put up some prints downstairs. They weren't actually darkroom prints; they were stuff I put on metal, like mm-hmm. color photographs. Uh, it comes out pretty cool. I was trying to figure out stuff to do with color photographs because usually I just you know I've got files and thousands of files of film photographs on, and they just sit on my computer so i started making magazines now uh, i just got a bunch from blurb and i made premium magazines and they, they're really nice i was surprised i tried the trade book at first it looks like dog shit so i switched over to the premium magazine mm-hmm. and came out pretty cool yeah not bad so that's just so i'm going to your- sell those for the dark room as well if i can that sounds good. And again, best place to go to find out about this is your Instagram page. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, awesome. Which is? Oh, Aloha underscore Big Mike. There we go. We will. We'll get there eventually, Greg. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, you've been trying slightly harder, Rach, to get your good name out mm. there this weekend. What have you been up to? Oh, um, yeah, I've had loads of fun this week, actually. I've uh, been in the dark room. Yay. Um, Outstanding. What's that? I said fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Um, Not the Hawaii dark room, unfortunately. I should probably clarify. Um, (laughs) I wish. I wish. Um, But in Liverpool and uh, the one that I've been helping to sort of uh, set up for dot art and uh yeah so i've been in the in the dark room making some uh, prints and testing out some paper and um i'm just basically ha- making some um images ready for a wedding fair so i was um deli- i was exhibiting at a fair today and i wanted to make sure that there was a an opportunity for people to see you know the kind of like the analog side of things as well as just the digital um photography so um it was lovely to be able to do that and to actually just hand over a bunch of prints and ask people to you know decide which one they like best you know the ones with different contrast or on gloss paper or on matte or what have you and it was just lovely 
uh, in terms of like reactions just generally from the public going oh yeah I can see the real difference you know and uh, the amount of people who I give them to the couple and one would say oh I like this one the other one would like the other one <laughs> which is hilarious um but yeah so uh, that's been that's been awesome I've really enjoyed doing that um, one of the things you did with your printing, which I don't, I don't know if you've not done it before or not done much of it before, but I know Mike is big into, is um, printing onto fibre paper. Yes, um, how that's did right. that go? Yeah, it, um, yeah, it was good actually. I'm totally in love with fibre paper. I've, I've always really, uh, I have to say, I think I've always really um, preferred matte finishes in in general, um, and printing on this fiber paper this is an old box of paper that i oh gosh i don't even know where it's come from that i've found from years and years and years ago um and uh and i thought you know i'm just gonna have a little try at printing on that as well and it i i ended up wasting a bit because i ended up um well I didn't realize that it would actually take quite as long for the image to appear on fiber paper I don't know if you print much on map and fiber paper um uh, Mike that's pretty but, much uh, how I print on yeah uh, is, is it all that yeah and it, it it's um I don't know whether this is just because it was old paper but in general that was all I found was that I was like oh there's no image. There's still no image. There's still no image. No, and then the development like, time for fiber yeah. takes a little longer. Takes, yeah. RC might take, what, 30 seconds or 10 seconds before it starts appearing. And fiber, you could go a minute and a half, two minutes yeah. sometimes, for sure. And, and so I was thinking, hmm, I'm just going to set the timer <laughs> just to see how long. But, yeah, it was it was surprising because I'm used to just sort of going, bosh, 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 put it in the developer 10 seconds, you can see, you know, whether something's appearing or not or whatever. And then I was still there sort of like a minute and a half later going, oh, well, that didn't work. I'd best turn the paper over the next time. <laughs> uh, clearly, I've, I've put it in the wrong. Oh, well, I just thought because it's an old pack of paper, there was no particular bend to it or anything. So there was no kind of indication as to which way round it was supposed to be. Um so I just thought I'd done it the wrong way around. And actually, I did it the right way around. But because it took so long for it to develop, I didn't realise that I'd actually shot it the right way around. So then it was most confusing when I came back to the developing tray with the other piece, my test strip, and going, oh, <laughs> something's appeared in the meantime. So What type of paper yeah. is it? What brand? Um, ooh, do you know? I don't even know. I'll, I'll have to have a look and see. I'm not sure. Mm. It, like well, I say, it was literally out of an old box, I think, because from the 70s or something. So, uh, 70s. Because yeah. I've got really old paper I've been using, um, and it's still good. It's like 30 years old, and awesome. it's just fine. I figured it'd all be shot, but, it, you know, it's some... Um, I forget the brand, too, but uh, did, did you wash it in HypoClear? I mean, did you change? I didn't. Change? Did you? You didn't. No, I didn't do any HypoClear or anything like that. Hmm? Sorry? How long did you let it soak in water for for Ooh, the final rinse? Probably about 10 minutes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Why? Uh, <laughs> uh, over to you, Mike. Why? Well, yeah. the difference between fiber-based paper and RC is the RC has the, you know, the resin coating on it. So when you yeah. print on fiber, the yeah. fixer goes right into the fibers of the paper. Mm -hmm. So you need... You need extended wash times. Usually I do a, uh, a water bath and then for about 10 minutes, and then I'll go into HypoClear for about 10 minutes, okay. and then another water bath for about 40 minutes. 
Okay. So you need to have that extended wash time. Otherwise, the print will most likely yellow over time. So you okay. really want to try to get the fix get the fixer out of the fibers from the paper. Okay. I'll check it back. And I mean, I've done it. Uh, as long as you're using, I just get some hypo clear. I mean, that that, that should take care of it because I don't even have running water. I just let it sit in a tray. 10 yeah. minutes, 10 minutes, and then another half hour or whatever in another tray. Yeah. yeah. That'll be fine. It does the trick. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. so you don't, awesome. um, when it's in the tray, like, do you agitate or do you just let it literally just sit in the tray? I just let it sit in the tray. Uh, I'll fill up like a 11 by 14 or a 16 by 24 tray. We don't have running water in the dark room. We just have a bathroom right across the hall. So I'll fill up a five-gallon bucket and bring that in and then mm -hmm. just fill up the trays, fill up the rinse trays, and I'll let the print soak uh, in the final rinse for the entire evening until I'm finished printing, and then I'll hang them up to dry. Yeah, oh, that's same good. actually in in this in this start room as well. So that's that's good to know because um, yeah. it's a very similar similar situation. So yeah, awesome. Actually, um, I don't know if you've got this um, over there, but the um, uh, there's sort of like caravan supplies sort of thing, and you can get a massive sort of like water carrier that's basically like a big wheel if you like that you can pull that you can pull along so uh, you can end, you can bring a whole load of water in if you need to so that's mm, cool interesting yeah, yeah I just maybe pick have a... it up and mm -hmm. carry it and yeah I, I, I wouldn't be able to pick up 40, 40 litres of water probably you've seen pictures <laughs> of Mike Rach you know he's just no he's, I know I said me he's I said pumping I these things of a, no I, there's probably some difference in relative strength <laughs> between the two of you um, <laughs> but yeah so um, I, I just left it in like in like Mike said in the tray to be honest so uh, I'll just chug it back in give it another so, good rinse and I'll get some was that the clear. first the first time you printed on fibre yeah and what did you think the difference Great. between the fibre and the RC Oh, I love it. Love it. It's so much nicer, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's, yeah. Yeah. It fe I was sort of, um, I, s I was saying to Graham, it feels almost like a drawing kind of thing. Um, yeah. Just, I, I love it. It's great. I was printing on RC for a couple years and I, I just never, never bothered trying fiber. And the second I printed on it, I said, I can't believe I've, I've been printing on RC paper when I could have been printing all this stuff on fire. All this time, I know, right? So much nicer. <laughs> I mean, that's but, just my personal opinion. Yeah, just, it's just a different, know. very different look, isn't it? It's a look and yeah. different feel and, and what have you. And I suppose the other thing is, you know, you lose some of that if you're putting it under glass. You know, if you're mounting the prints and putting it under glass as well, it's kind of like, oh, uh, they're the kind of prints that you want to be able to hold and, and touch or sort of like at least sort of right. see. Yeah, the finish. Yeah. So the have you ever tried um, or have you ever seen the Ilford R three hundred paper? No. Have you have ever had a go with that, Graham? Uh, I've not used it. I've only enjoyed it on the prints that has been sent to me by uh, Mike. Um, it's it's Ooh. very nice. Yeah, tell us about Graham. Tell her, right? Isn't that paper the best? Uh, it's lovely. The um, the texture, the thickness, and the texture that it gives the print. I mean, we, and again, you know, this comes with the caveat that the prints that I've seen done on it have been done by Mike, who's an incredibly talented <laughs> printer. Um, yeah, they're beautiful, and the um, the blacks are you you 
you get a look you cannot get or i have not seen on just regular rc paper you know the, the, that's where i think that's the main difference really isn't it with fiber print paper is that it can really do blacks in a way that um rc just can't quite make as deep um yeah it's lovely it's really really lovely it's a little tricky too but uh i do i like to split grade print that paper so Ooh. where you use the zero zero filter and maybe like the number five mm -hmm. and i've come to learn over time that for the look that i like i'll you know you do your test strip with a two and a half grade filter right mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. you take a peek you see your highlights your blocks the dark areas and if the overall time is 10 seconds you know you just split that at time between the zero and the number five filter so you'll do five seconds at zero zero then five seconds at the number five but with the R300, I, I doubled the time with the number five filter to really hit the blacks. And it just seems to work out really nice in the end. Yeah. Well, I said, the, you do any split grade printing, Rachel, or what? You ever try that method? So, sorry, say that again, Mike. Do you do any split grade printing ever? I haven't done any split grade printing. It sounds awesome. I know that David Allen talked about that previously, didn't he, Graham? Um, doing split grading. I yeah, think. Yeah, and I think when right? we were, uh, yeah, um, they've we done up, quite a bit. Yeah, and we with, John. with John. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so John runs the, um, the dark shed in the Midlands, and um, that was something that he talked about as well uh, when we were there. So uh, that that's awesome. Yes, uh, again, it, it just I'd never had a box of fiber paper around before uh, at the photography show um this year they had or they probably have had in previous years but just this year i i did actually manage to <laughs> to leave the stall for a, for a short period of time and we went didn't we and, and saw michelle and matt and what have you and um and they had uh, a sort of um swatch book of the different papers and things and i just stood there and sort of stroked those for a bit <laughs> was like, lovely. Nice, nice. yeah yeah the ilford classic matt and mm -hmm. the ilford r300 are, are my two favorite to use that's basically all i get now nice Just, and can oh, you get them in beautiful. all the sizes presumably uh -huh. relatively easily yeah yeah the the r300 is fairly expensive mm. it's uh or 11 by 14 you get 30 sheets for about 80 bucks yeah I think perhaps perhaps that's probably been one of the other things. Obviously, like your sort of standard gloss is more accessible, I suppose, at a, a more um, uh, sort of like standard price point. Whereas, obviously, you're you're very specifically going for something if you're going for more specialty papers. So, uh, yeah. I heard, if you if you've I heard got the project, very nice. Mm, yeah, or like the pearl. The well. I know the satin that they they have. Um, I, I use the pearl quite a bit mm -hmm. um, to make contact sheets. Yeah. But um, I've heard the satin is really cool, and I've never tried it yet. Any of you guys ever tried the the Ilford satin paper? Not yet. Great. Not yet. No. No. Uh, no the, so far, because um, I'm. I think the word is rubbish at printing. I've mostly just ah, no, no, it's, it's true, and it's fine. It's it, no, no, it's true. It's um, but it's because of lack of practice and lack of experience. It's fine. I will get better. I keep telling myself this, but because of that, I have been buying the um, the multi grade um, because it, it's the cheapest. You know, it's, well, not the cheapest, but it's a cheap, good quality 
paper. I know that, you know, it's not going to give me the same look as the fibre, but it's a good place for me to learn yeah. on and make mistakes on and just kind of do that kind of work on. And then once I start being able to produce prints of a, a good quality more consistently and, and to be honest, more importantly, get to the point where the print is good more rapidly as opposed to at the moment where I can burn through sheet after sheet after sheet after sheet trying to like nudge this this way and that that way and not quite get it. You don't want to be doing that with expensive paper. You want to be able to get to the end point reasonably quickly. So, um, yeah, after I've got a bit more practice done, then I will start buying other papers and trying different things. But, oh yeah, so far it has just been the um, Ilford multigrade for the most part. But, yeah. That's, that's great stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's nice paper. And you get you can make a, a beautiful print on that paper. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I printed on that paper for for years before I switched over to fiber. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it was only an I ended up coming across this old box of fiber paper. So uh, yeah, I'm hooked now. <laughs> right on, Rachel. <laughs> okay well so, that's uh, backing paper backing paper yeah that's a good lot of darkroom talk to start <laughs> us off um we should probably get into the emails because we haven't got a lot of emails but we have yeah. got some so let's <laughs> let's crack on into them um mike do you want to read this first email uh with the heading when a camera dies from anthony pearson no ahoy sunny 16 you ahoy. foolishly read out a couple of my emails so i'm going to send more until the injunction <laughs> recently <laughs> one of my favorite film cameras a royce gr1 died the 450 pound repair bill Ooh. is it pound yeah yeah what is it? yeah pound euro yeah. i don't know whatever no, it's you guys pounds, pounds. Uh, all right 450 pound repair bill made no sense so i ebayed it for sale slash repair letting it sit dead on a shelf is just too sad Mm. I love a 35 millimeter point and shoot, but no one makes them anymore. One day there will be no automated film cameras left. Boo-hoo. They will all be broken with no spares to be had. How do you feel about this? Do you worry about the future of film photography when so many of the film cameras people use are heading towards extinction? Yours, Anthony, Dank Spangle. <laughs> and he's got his uh, dankspangle.com link. Uh, I never get sick of hearing that name. That's great. <laughs> Thanks, Pangle is a great name. <laughs> it's pretty good. So we were talking about this uh, for, uh, incidentally, or coincidentally, just before we started recording, um, because you I can't remember how it came up, but you were talking about the fact, Mike, that you cracked open um, a camera, <laughs> thinking, oh, this should be easy to fix, and then being... <laughs> just for laughs. Yeah, quite sad <laughs> yeah. to find out that it wasn't. It was my Nikon AF35 LF, whatever the hell it was. Yeah. And, you know, it... Uh... I could not fix it. I threw it right in the trash. I was like, oh, fuck, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. And they went right in the garbage. And that's happened with just about every single camera I've opened and tried to fix. <laughs> Point and shoots are no exception. Yeah. Maybe don't keep on opening cameras. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, well, but then you're like, ah, oh, this isn't working. I might as well try, right? Yeah. You know what? The, the compact film cameras, the nice ones, just there's a few mechanical ones out there. Mm. And... That's those will probably last forever. You know, like the the Raleigh thirty five one. There's a couple other ones, and once the electronics and all these die, that's all there's mm. going to be left for compact thirty five millimeter point shoots. Yeah, I, th I think you're Sadly. right. 
Um, I I saw uh, on uh, Instagram um, Lyndon from Londinium Cameras. He shared a post recently of some Olympus trips that he's just um, repaired for some of those sort of three Olympus trips that he'd been through and just all got back into the shape they need to be in, with the exception of the light meters, which I think can burn out on those. Um, those can be repaired over and over and over again, um, but with these. Uh, the ones that are reliant on electronics, once that circuit board gets damaged, that's unless there's a donor around that you can rip it out of. There's nothing you can do about it, really, is there? So, um, yeah, no. I mean, if I had the money, I'd buy all the fancy compacts and I'd have them sitting on my shelf, and you know, I'd have them for backup and use them. But um, I don't have the money, and it, I think it's crazy to spend you know, over 500 bucks for a compact point. That's just my personal opinion. I'd like, I'd rather buy a $5 one Canon sure shot or something. Anyway, yeah. I don't really think there's much difference in the final products. Um, for what I do anyway, which is, you know, making prints in a dark room, but I mean, everybody's got their own opinion. And if you got cash to burn and drop a thousand bucks on a point and shoot, then go ahead. And I say, yeah, we're, I mean, we're all still hoping, we're still hoping that Bellamy might come through, um, but you know, we know from speaking to him in the past that that's proving to be quite difficult, his his mission of making a new point-and-shoot camera, but not given up So what, what did he say? Did he have like a price point in mind you wanted to sell it for, or is there any idea how much it would cost? Not specifically, but he was definitely targeting um, the higher-end market, so you know things like the contacts market. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if you were looking at something the wrong side of a thousand dollars or around there when it came out. You know, it... but you'd be able to get it repaired, right? Yeah, you you could buy something with a warranty that you could theoretically get repaired, and that that seems like a far better way to spend a thousand dollars than buying, as you said some old point and shoot that could just go one week after you bought it. Um, Cause I would consider that. I would consider spending that on a brand new compact point shoot that was, you know, sharp glass and nice titanium body. Yeah, definitely. I would be interested in for yeah. sure. Rach, I, I, I have a question for you. Cause we, we've all had okay. this. Mike's clearly murdered quite a lot of cameras in this time. When you have a camera that, isn't working properly anymore or just isn't working flat out anymore what do you what do you do with them what what do you do with a dead camera you're shaming me now bro <laughs> yeah, oh dear <laughs> thanks thanks so much love you too mm -hmm. um okay with <laughs> uh, camera I, walk of shame i know i i don't do anything with them <laughs> i'm really but like like well that's not true. I have I have occasionally taken them apart. Like when I've gone, oh, I'll have a little look and see if it's something I can do something about. Generally, obviously, it's not something I can do anything about. And then it sits there um, or goes into the secondary pile. <laughs> I the pile that I that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually that will go up into the loft um, <laughs> because I because, uh, yeah, I just I've, I've never sold anything on eBay. And I and I wouldn't know really what to do with it, to be honest. And yeah, and it's just too sad. It's too sad that it's like dead. I can't just throw it out, you know. 
Yeah, it's difficult. I, I, I am in much the same boat as you. I've got, I think I've got a few cameras that are just proper knackered that, um, and then that I just throw in a box that gets thrown, you know, somewhere up, you know, out of the way. Um, and I've got a couple of cameras that, uh, you know, were good cameras that, um, just don't work anymore. That it's like, well, okay, that can sit on the shelf and look nice, but I keep looking at it thinking, oh, this is silly. I mean, yeah, to be honest, like in terms of good, good, shall we say, in inverted commas cameras, um, I don't have anything like that that's not like working, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, so it tends to be, you know, old box brownies or, you know, that kind of thing. I, I've, uh, if I'm, I, I'm very rarely spending, um, I don't, I just don't really have the money <laughs> to buy lots of, good cameras that should that are ones that are worth sort of sending off to be repaired if you know what i mean i'm not explaining this very well um but yeah basically ones that you kind of go oh yeah like the ensign full view okay that one's maybe not working quite right or you know my old constructor camera or whatever it's got a leak or that kind of stuff you know get thrown straight Um, in the bin do you have a compact Rachel, that you use? Um, I've got. Um, I I have a couple of sure shots. One of my sure shots is thing. Mm. Um, so that is now sitting on the shelf. <laughs> I had one um, of those too. I gave it to uh, Mike from the FPP. Oh really? But I just put a little piece of tape on it and wrote Yoshika T four. I remember. That. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, I like the sure shot. It's pretty good. What else did yeah. you say you had? Um, I have, oh, I picked up a gaff at the, uh, photography show, actually. I can't remember exactly which model it is. Something, there's something gaff 35, something. Um, but that seems to have a couple of issues and it's a nice looking little camera and I think it would probably give some quite nice images, but, um, yeah, I need to, I do need to get like that fixed, but yeah. And what about you, Graham? What's your high end point and shoot? Um, so I've probably my best point and shoot. Uh, I have, so I have got um, a couple of Olympus Mew twos. Um, Ooh, fancy! One of oh, which is couple. yeah, w- one of which is very much held together by sellotape and well electrical tape holding because the battery door's broken and it's it's you know lived in my pocket whilst I've been at work quite a lot and it's really quite battered. Um, the other one isn't because I haven't used it for that yet uh and i do i have looked at the one that isn't battered and thought should i sell this should because you know it's probably one of the few cameras i've got that's worth a reasonable amount of money but um i like using them and if i sell it i'm almost certainly never going to buy another one yeah because, you're not gonna buy another one are you yeah, yeah. Right. You know, uh, right so it's like well it seems that's the thing yeah. Um, I had a uh, Yashica T4 I uh-huh. got for $1 at the uh, you know, recycle center. Oh. And so I used it for a year and I sold it for $400. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. See, just it's don't crazy the prices me. of these. I had I had all these fancy contacts, but once I saw oh. the prices they were going for, I just sold them all. Yeah. Because I know they're going to break. I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, no, I, I just absolutely don't have yeah just don't really have any point and shoot like only that canon sure shot that was it 
Yeah. I like the Olympus XA, so I've been using that one for my Oh, contact. yes, I have the Olympus XA. I do have that, and I really It's a great that. little camera. It's, it's going to be one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Plus, you have the actual rangefinder in there, and you control the aperture. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Anthony, just get a Olympus XA. There you go. Okay. $450 repair bill? No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I think Mike had it right, you know, there are a lot of cameras out there that can be repaired. And so whilst some of the stuff from the 80s and 90s is going to go the way of the dodo, the stuff, ironically, from the 50s, 60s and 70s is probably going to last quite a lot longer. Um, Rach, do you want to take this next one mm. from Hillary? I would love to, yes. Oh, no. um, so, you okay? You yeah, know, carry on. I'll put the picture that she's talking about in the uh, folders. You can find it. Okay, I can't see it at the moment. So Hillary's written in to say, "Hi, Sonny's. Rachel was asking if anyone had done done anything for World Cyanotype Day, and I did this. Uh, I'll do a ta-da because I can't actually see it, but I'll go and have a look in a minute. Thanks, Hillary. Um, It might have been the one that she put up online, so I'll see in a sec. She says, "Only realised in the evening what day it was, and I wondered if I should just repost something that I'd made earlier, but decided instead to get out the UV lamp and be creative, which is awesome." Um, So, World Type Day did inspire me to get moving and make some things. That's definitely a good thing. Love and sunshine from Hillary. That's awesome. Well done, Hillary. I'm going to have a little look at the folder now. I don't know if I I have for for both of you to enjoy. I put it in the Skype chat. So if you have a look in the Skype chat, you can see it there. I saw yes, she. I was going to say I saw that she had uploaded something on um, Instagram or online, and I thought how beautiful it was because you can really see all the lovely um, brush strokes that she's used, and then she's got two of my favourite um, fern leaves, which is laid across with this beautiful kind of like lattice over the top of it as well. So um, it's it's quite um, sort of abstract, but also it's um, you can see that of course the fern leaves quite distinctly. And I think it's really nice. Well done, Hillary. Yeah, I really love that picture. It's I, I think the the things that Hillary's done with it, of putting the lattice over the top and having it edged mm. with the brush strokes, um, has really lift. I mean, I I love ferns, I, you know, and I love seeing yeah. science types of ferns, but um, they're a well trodden path. And what Hillary's done with that uh, really does. So, is that the one she shared on her Instagram feed? That is, that is, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So, so I because I did see that, and I wasn't sure when she'd made it, but that's fab. I'm so pleased that she went and decided to get the lamp out and be creative because the easy option would have just been, I'll repost something from before. Yeah. Um, Mike, you have all the sunshine over in Hawaii. Uh, do you Have you mucked around with cyanotypes? No, I never have. Mm-mm. A shame. Any particular reason why not or just never piqued your curiosity? Well, uh, no, just... I, I really like traditional black and white photography, and since I have a dark room, I'm just kind of focusing on that. Like, I get <laughs> distracted really <laughs> easy, yeah? So I have so many projects I want to do just with regular black and white photography. I mean, I have a giant M list that I'm never going to get to, so. Although, I really like the ones you, what, what, did you just put them on bark, Graham, or? Yeah, yeah, tree? it was just on, the, on some bits of bark. Yeah. Oh yes, that's right. That was your your camera club, wasn't it? When um, the theme was wood or trees or <laughs> yeah. something, and so I was like, 
maybe just you know make a print from a negative that i know that you've got of trees and be done and you were like nah i'm gonna get the cyanotype out and i'm gonna put it on this wood now and i've got like 30 minutes to make it i was like oh my god fine uh it looked great though okay well done it looked really cool yeah very cool yeah it was good for it, it, it was one of those things that once the idea was in my head it's like well i have to see this through the only thing with it was <laughs> is that because obviously the wood bark was quite curved because it was you know going around a tree trunk previously um so to get the negative to be as close to it as possible so that you know there wasn't because if if, unless it's lying pretty much directly on it you don't get good detail so so i um i pinched Sinead's hairdryer and kind of (laughs) heated up the negative and and held it until formed it onto the shape so it probably the negative is probably not great it's a one and done kind of thing with the negative (laughs) Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it was worth it. I didn't care that much about the interesting. Negative. No, it's very interesting. I love, I love seeing all the different alternative processes. I just yeah. don't have time with everything else I have on my so list. So many ideas, get. so little yep. time, isn't really. it? Really, yeah. even just like toning prints, right? So, so yeah, toning, that's true. Toning Sophia, split toning them, toning them with gold. You know, I, I have a whole stack of prints I want to get to. Uh, just toning, so this you is can tone cyanotypes too. There you go. You can, huh? Yeah. Maybe I'll have to so, try one. So yeah, you make the cyanotype and then you uh, basically bleach bleach it out, and it, you're left with this kind of like horrible sort of sickly yellow color where was beautiful blue. But then you can then tone it, and you can tone the yellow to sort of I don't know like browns or or you know you could use like coffee or tea or red wine or whatever you know and, and give it some toning from that as well so there's all mm. sorts of things you could you can um experiment with there too just to add to the pile of uh, <laughs> ideas for you <laughs> mike it's good no i love having a great long list of things i want to try at least you know <laughs> I, I, i'm not sitting around thinking oh I'm, i have no inspiration uh, i have no direction it's like My problem is exactly the opposite. It's like you got this huge list of things you want to try and do. Like my next project is, uh, I know you you just had Ethan on the show, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to get uh, the camera dactyl, the OG, and I'm going to make a waterproof housing for it. Take it out and surf. Shoot some four by five in the surf. Should be fun. But... uh, It'll be a pain in the ass, basically, because you got to paddle out on the board and you get to take one picture, and then you got to paddle back <laughs> into the beach and then <laughs> flip it. But I like should, the process. You should do, I don't know, maybe make some kind of like floating um, portable darkroom system or something. <laughs> you can just have right? with so you. I could de- develop it while I'm out there on my surfboard. Yeah, absolutely, right? <laughs> like take your changing bag with you. If well, you just said it, it was Holga week, right? So I was, I've was i been putting the Holga in a Ziploc right. bag and taking it out in the surf, and that's been there a lot of fun. There you go. Awesome. But it's a little tricky because you got to take the Holga out of the bag because it looks like shit if you just shoot it through the Ziploc. You uh, know, you shoot it through the plastic bag. So I'm balancing on my surfboard. I've got the Holga in one hand. The waves are coming. I'm trying to keep the camera dry. It's all a good time. Heaven forbid that the whole get wet. Imagine all of the electronics would be ruined by that. Right? <laughs> uh, I guess it's more that the holes in the camera in general that all the water will get in. I ain't worried about the hole, I'm worried about the film. Yeah, it'd be yeah fine. exactly. It's, just a, it's a pre wash, Mike. You worry too much. I'm, I, t- 
I, I took a picture with it. I had a, a camera. It was a, an old SLR. Um, that didn't The shutter didn't work properly on it at lower speeds. And so I just put a pinhole cap on it. And I just I sat there in a puddle once to take some pictures. It doesn't. It may not work quite so well now, I'll be honest. But it wasn't a whole guy. Uh. It was mostly made of metal and clockwork. So with hindsight, putting it in a puddle mm-hmm. and, then, and then tipping the water out wasn't the best plan. I also love <laughs> how Mike's talking about being on a surfboard and like literally in the ocean in Hawaii and you're like I put it in a puddle yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my equivalent that's as close as I'm going to get the same thing yeah. a, it is basically the same <sighs> okay the final email this week is from the wonderful Richard Hall who writes in Hi Sunbeams you often mention Lomography as a supplier of film and cameras but I wanted to give a shout out to the community at Lomography.com as a place to share photos and discuss all things photographic you'd be hard pressed to find a more encouraging and supportive crowd the users more than make up for my frustrations with the website I'd strongly recommend it as a place to share your analogue photography the other thing is, I thought I'd share my recent experience developing colour film in black and white chemistry. I've been discussing this discussing this with my friend in my local camera shop, the excellent Will Temple at the Latent Image in Shrewsbury, and he said for any C41 film, use the timings given by the massive dev chart. So I shot some colour plus, did a stand development in Rodnell, and the results made me very happy. I'm not I feel like there was something missing from that somewhere. Is it use the timings given by the massive dev chart for what? though um i'm not quite sure anyway let's carry on maybe it'll illuminate later Um, for the film no well i mean the thing that i wrote is hp5 um but maybe i'll explain that later or maybe it won't maybe we'll all live in mystery um then i spotted a note on the dev chart to the effect that you could use the same development range across the entire time or maybe it does just have a standard c41 time on massive dev chart Um, I need to have a look. It occurred to me that this could mean you could vary the ISO across the roll. Could that be right? So I tried it. I shot some Color Plus and developed um, and varied the ISO between 1600 and 100 and points in between across the roll. It works! The negs I exposed at 1600 looked a bit muddy and underexposed, but the rest were all usable. This is definitely an experiment I'll be repeating. I wrote this up in a note on my Lomography.com home, and you can see a few of the images there if you're interested, and I will post the link to that in the show notes. That's me done. Keep up the fine work. Um, Thank you very much, Richard. I have to say, um, Lomography.com, quite frequently, the thing for me is if I've seen some random camera somewhere or if i'm looking at something on ebay uh and going i have no idea what that is or whether it's any good um and you go searching for pictures by it uh, lomography.com is a great place to go to find people mm-hmm. who have shot with mm-hmm. pretty much everything um yeah. it's, it's wonderful so you me. can see the images that you're likely to get out of that particular camera that you're interested in yeah same it's been it's been really good as a resource for that definitely and actually we had um a couple of emails didn't we from uh, a couple of new and and younger um uh new shooters to the film photography community um recently in the last few weeks if you remember graham mm. and um and yeah we didn't mention lomography.com um when we were talking about that so um especially when they were saying 
how they didn't have anybody kind of like local to them who was also a film shooter. This sounds like another really good um, online community, but that perhaps it gives the opportunity to have those sort of like longer conversations uh, around the subjects uh, a bit more than perhaps you can elsewhere on social media. And, you know, as an alternative to somewhere like Flickr, you can, it gives you the opportunity to upload a lot of images. So that's cool. Very nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so developing colour film in black and white. Uh, Mike, is this something you've ever had a crack at? Yeah, one time. Uh, so you just Was it an accident? In the film. No, I, I shot a roll in a disposable camera, and I didn't feel like sending it off to get developed. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like paying for it, so I just threw it in D76 for seven minutes and saw what came out. It worked. D76, seven minutes for anything, I say. <laughs> Don't even bother with the temperature. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I've only developed uh, two or three rolls um, of colour film, but you know, it works. It works just fine, mm-hmm. as I said. I suspect, um, I'm just trying to find the. Uh, I haven't, uh, I'm not going to do it now because it's, Googling stuff is not always a good thing to do on a uh, podcast, but um, it does sound like there might just be a set recommended time on for c41 on the massive dev chart um i the one that i've always used in the past and i think we talked about it recently somewhere um, was just using uh ilford hp5 times uh, and going yeah. from there um but it, it makes sense that using the different isos would give you you know would work because that's the way that c41 development works it's you know you can push and pull it a bit um and some people do adjust times but equally there are people certainly for one stop difference either way who just won't make any changes whatsoever to the um development mm. time so mm. it's a weird thing well he said in the in the email that 1600 looked a bit muddy yeah. and underexposed mm-hmm. But the rest were all usable. So, what was the box speed of the stuff? Color Plus? That's 200. Uh, it's 200. Yeah. So, you shot it at 100 and then all the points between 100 and 1600. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah. I'd be interested to try that again just to see how, see if I can make some prints of them, put them in on larger and see how they print. Yeah. I think the thing that I found in the past is that. Um, they aren't always the easiest one. I don't, I'd be interested to see how they were to print because um, scanning them isn't always super easy because, of course, the, the, the steps that you don't have... Uh, uh, who cares about a scan? Well, that's what I'm saying is that, like, <laughs> I, I think they might be easier scanning than than printing because the, the, um, the step that you lose when you're developing in black and white is you're not bleaching it. So, mm-hmm. um, so because the ones I've done tend to be like those negatives. I don't know you found they were pretty dark. The the image was there and you could pull it out, but it was pretty dark. Um, the, like the whole negative was quite dark to begin with. Um, yeah, I noticed that. And, yeah. and very dense. So yeah, that that might make it harder if you're trying to do um an actual uh darkroom print from it. But I, I definitely think it's worth trying and and. If you've got bleach, you can always use the bleach from a C41 kit on it as well. I think I've tried doing that in the past. I, I'm trying to remember what the reason was. I, I developed I developed the role of colour film. I cannot remember why in, in black and white. Um, and, yeah, and it didn't come out great. And I did 
bleach it. Um, and I think in the case of this particular role of film, it didn't. It made it lighter, but there just wasn't the images was not that strong in the first place on this. So it didn't work terribly well. But an old mm. role that I did a while ago, um, which was probably Ag for Vista, or maybe it's a role Cheap Kodak stuff because it was very early on. Um, I developed that in probably um, Ilfosol Three and got some quite nice pictures from that. Um, you know, they came out pretty well. And, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth it. Uh, I keep meaning to go back to it um, with some of the Aquavista. So I guess the reason you do this is if you just have a bunch of color film stock. I mean, because I don't know if you'd want to purposely do it, right? Like, I mean, if you want to shoot black and white, there's plenty of reasonably priced black and white film stock out there. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to worry about all this stuff. But, it, you know, if you're just doing it for fun or want to see the effects it gets, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Actually, you know what it was? Maybe you can remember better than I can, Rach, but um, I think the last one I did was probably for one of the cheap shot challenges because I'd left it super late. Um, oh, yeah, vaguely rings a bell. Yeah, mm. so the images... Yeah, that really sounds about right. ...were pretty tough, yeah. but um, yeah, still, yeah. it's all good fun, isn't It'll it? Be- Yes, that's right. I think you ran out of time to send it off to be processed and you didn't have enough C41 chems or something. Yeah. So you ended up doing it in black and white. That sounds about right, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I can see on the massive dev chart they have got uh, results for Kodak um, BW400CN. That's a C41 film, isn't it? Yep. So um, I guess you can take the times that that's got and use those for anything. So... Um, probably a good start. I'm telling you, man. D76, seven minutes. Uh, let's do D76. <laughs> it says 14 minutes here is what it's actually saying. So do not do not listen to Mike. That's 14. Well, maybe it's because my chemistry is sitting at about 80 degrees. I that, that would I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, that is a question that I had for you, Mike. How how do you find that? Um, I mean, do you find it is a massive problem? In terms of developing, you know, with it being I such a hot joking. place, I I use D, Kodak D seventy six stock solution, and yeah. I just develop whatever like seven to ten, ten minutes, and it it always just um, works. Once I put about thirty rolls through the gallon, then I increase the time by about a minute, and then when right. I get forty rolls, I'll add another minute. Wow! So I, I think I've. I'm on the same gallon of D76 that I bought in early June. I'm probably like 45 rolls through it already. Good grief. What, wow. I lo- what I love about this, Mike, is that you are so careful and particular and fastidious with your print. With and yet printing, you really right? do not give two shits about your negs, which is the thing that you're making your prints from. Uh, well. But you know what? As long as you get something on there, you can do all the work you want on, on the final print, right? You can do all that manipulation to get whatever type of print you want. So as long as you got something popping up on that negative, you can work it in the dark room. What developer um, do you use for your, for your negs? Uh, sorry yeah. for your um for your prints uh so i use kodak dectal and then i just use vinegar mix white vinegar with water for the stop bath mm-hmm. and um for fixer i use the ilford rapid fixer the rapid fix yeah cool. yeah for sure especially if we have other people hanging out in the dark room when i keep that fix time as short as possible because with the rapid fixer you know it's just 30 seconds with rc paper and one with fiber yeah. As opposed to if you use that fix with the hardening agent in it, it's like five minutes. So yeah. no, that's too long. Lovely. Yeah. Of course. 
Okay, um, we've got a few bits we want to just mention uh, before we get out of here. The mm-hmm. first thing is Holger Week. Holger Week is mostly over as you hear this, if you hear this on Monday. Um, but it is still going on. It runs from the 1st until the 7th, so if you listen to this on Monday, you still have time to take some pictures. Uh, you've heard that Mike has been out uh, on his surfboard with his plastic bag and his Holger. Um, I've been out with my Holger very much not on a surfboard. <laughs> um, taking yeah pictures in a very damp, grey miserable britain um they'll end up looking much the same i would imagine as mics um so you still have one day left to do that uh if you want to find out more information just go to holgerweek.com um and everything you need to know that is there uh the other thing rach um i'm gonna let you uh, talk about this because you've got the information in front of you is uh, and i was wondering what was happening with this and it's finally been announced emulsive yeah. secret santa 2019 Woo! is happening Woo! It is. It's funny, isn't it? Because we actually had this conversation and then uh, probably two hours later, I was like, oh, so I've just seen that M has posted this. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, we, we weren't able to mention it last time because uh, it was just after we talked about it. Um, but yeah, Emulsive Secret Santa um, 2019 registration is open until October the 31st. So um, we've got I wonder if that, I'm just thinking, obviously that's the same day as Brexit, isn't it? So I wonder if that was uh, <laughs> intentional, um, but there we go. So um, yeah, registration uh, is open from now until October the 31st. It's the fifth Emulsive Secret Santa. Um, if, you've pre- if you've previously participated, obviously um, you'll probably have an email because I think you'll already be invited to it. So check your emails for that. Um, if you haven't had a, an invite or, or if you're playing for the first time, then um, there is an article on emulsive.org. Uh, so if you if you Google for emulsive.org and uh, and or emulsive secret Santa 2019, it will come up um, uh, to to let you know all about it. In the past um there's been players uh it says in over 50 countries coming together to participate which is amazing so uh, there's been a lot um uh, of people who've taken part in this in the past it basically works in a very similar way to a normal secret santa um everybody's name goes into a hat effectively and each person is matched up randomly with somebody else who's playing that they they then buy a gift for um you can choose whether you wish to ship internationally or just locally within your country as well so uh, so you'll have the option to do that too which is great and uh basically you everybody is um uh, ends up with a match and uh, the gift giving goes around in this kind of like circle so it's not like a pairing you don't buy one for the person who you're matched with do you know what i mean it's not like a, a sort of straight swap um, you get one for uh, somebody else and they get one for a third person and then the third person gets something for the fourth person, etc., etc., uh, around the world. So, uh, yeah, very exciting. Um, they uh, generally ask for it to be a value of around um, $20. Uh, so something like film or a, a small camera, perhaps, or something like that um, as as a kind of like, minimum just so you know it's a nice sort of decent present to get under the christmas tree for christmas um and uh, and i think the general idea is you can be as generous as you as you wish to be but uh, it's nice to uh, to at least have a sort of like minimum 20 20 dollars ish sort of price um and uh, yeah they always encourage 
um the taking the time to you know write a christmas card to go with it or a letter or you know uh, being creative perhaps with some wrapping or adding in a few sweets or whatever um you guys are all very creative people and have probably taken part in the past but even if not you know um your imagination knows no bounds and it's always lovely to take part in the past actually i'd been paired up with um uh, robert from uh london camera um projects that was really lovely that was the first time we kind of actually ended up properly communicating um and i was like oh it's you uh, realized um so yeah it's i've always really enjoyed taking part in the past and uh yeah i have registered to take part again this year i don't know mike if you've ever done it or graham you've you've obviously taken part i know uh in the past yeah what about you mike have you taken part in the most secret santa no i'll have to get him something nice yeah <laughs> you should definitely i think that might be a separate part. thing <laughs> yeah no you should definitely take part mike I, you know i think you absolutely should take part i know you posting stuff anywhere from you is but i mean god can you imagine you've I, got the beautiful prints exactly that'd be a thing of delight it's all ready to go so um sounds fun i'll do it yep. it is fun so when you sign up and the site you have to make sure you sign up properly and there's kind of two phases to signing up which is a bit of a faff so do make sure you kind of go through the whole thing to sign up um and once you have signed up there there is a wish list thing and you can put things on your wish list um and the way the way i look at it to approach this is no, i've never done that okay well okay well um but there is there is a wish list <laughs> thing and use the wish list thing to give people an idea of the kinds of things that you would like don't think of it as oh i want this and i want this but you know if you yeah, shoot... that's why i've never used it i always felt like it was it, i don't know I, uh, I, I just I felt put, a bit awkward using I put that. Like, I'd just pounds, be happy with whatever. I put £15,000 <laughs> Hasselblad lenses on mine. Nobody oh, got God. me one. Um, but but it can be really useful. <laughs> so, um, you know, if, if you know, maybe you love shooting fun colour shift 35mm film, you know, put some examples of that down. Or if you're an yeah. instant shooter, put some... Utica or some double but, or something. Yeah, because yeah, mm. it, can, it can point people in the right direction. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, I think there is also a place to, you know, you can put a bit about the kind of things that you do on there for your Santa to, to read. So do let them know, you know, because if there's things that you just aren't into or if there's things you haven't had a go at, it can be really useful. And um, and the other thing that Rachel's always already mentioned is that I think is really important. Um, make it a personal thing. Don't just go, okay, here's some film and, and maybe a camera, stick it in the box, boom, out the door. Make, make it a personal thing. Take the time to write a card or write a letter. You know, if you do some printing or you do science, stick something like that and make it a fun thing that makes it really personal and nice. It makes it far more special. Um, the reason we do this, isn't it, really? You know, yeah. it's because we all love analogue photography in some way, shape or form. And it's, you know, it's kind of the magic of that as much as anything is getting to share that with other people so that's it always is. been my favorite is. part of uh, it yeah i've really been enjoying sending out the postcards or getting postcard prints or you know when i see people i follow put out designs whatever I, I always buy them up so it's really nice to get that kind of stuff in the mail for sure yeah absolutely and 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 i think that's the most you know there's a, a sort of a minimum value of twenty dollars which isn't it's not that much and you can kind of make it fairly lightweight stuff so it won't cost too much to post but 
you might see other people saying, oh, I've got this incredible thing. And, you know, somebody sent me, you know, sometimes an awful lot of values worth of good. But don't worry about that. It's much more important to make it fun and personal. And, and people will really enjoy that more. So it doesn't matter if you can't afford to spend loads of money on stuff. Just make it a nice personal thing and people will love that. Um, yeah. And yeah, and the important... I, I had... Um, sorry, go on, Graham. No, carry on, Rach. No, no, I was just thinking. Uh, I've had, uh, I had in the past... Uh, a couple of a few people kind of like um come to me and say oh can I have one of your analog adventure kits because and sending that off which is awesome because I was like oh all these little kits have gone out there and I don't know what people have made with them but they'll have made something with them so it's it's you never know where that roll of film that you're sending for your remorse of secret sand is going to end up and what somebody's going to create with it you know isn't that cool so maybe there's some way of kind of finding out about that afterwards I think I think actually there is an option isn't there after after the exchange or something um that you can find out but yeah so uh that was all I was going to say sorry I just just reminiscing about how cool it was <laughs> no, no, it's good. Um, what were you uh, going to say no as you mentioned right at the start um the window for signups is shorter this year than last year so you have got until october the 31st so don't sit on this do not prevaricate get on and do it and i would just say you know also start thinking pretty much straight away about what you're going to send because the window then for getting things out and posted, especially if you're doing it internationally, is short. Um, so get moving on all that pretty quickly. And my number one piece of advice is um, do it for the joy of sending somebody something, yes, not for what you absolutely. expect to get back. Because, yeah. it, you know, sometimes things get lost in the post. I know the person I sent it to last year... His gift, although I sent it in good time before Christmas, his gift didn't get there until like a decent time after Christmas. And I was getting quite worried it wasn't going to get there. But it did. And he was pleased with it. And that was fantastic. But um, yeah, do it Do it for the joy of... Do it because you want somebody to open something and go, oh, this is awesome. I love this. Whatever yeah. it might be, whether it's your zine or your prints or some film or whatever. Just have fun with it. And sweets are always good. Everybody loves sweets yeah. and chocolate. Um, all right, I, I, we love sweets and chocolate. I got I got some lovely sweets, some chocolate, and some lovely soap too. Previously, yeah, yeah I got some lovely stuff last year from um, uh, my uh, secret Santa, who's over in the states. So um, awesome, and thank you very much to M again for organising this. I know that it adds more grey hairs to him every year. Um, so give it a, <laughs> give it a couple more secret Santas, and he will at least look the part. Um, but until then, um, thank you, Em, and thank you to um, Iceland as well, yeah. and for all the hard work they both put into it. Um, and I think that's about it, isn't it, Rach? Uh, for... I think so. Yeah, I think so. Which uh, means... yes. Yeah, so uh, does that mean that we're we're doing goodbye? <laughs> you no, know it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> um, well. In, in the loveliest possible way, it means that it's time for us to say thank you to our fantastic donors uh, who um, who send us their hard-earned cash um, to, you know, basically say, carry on doing what you're doing, I think, is, is, the general, is the general plan. So thank you so much to everybody who does donate on Coffee or Kofi, K-O hyphen F-I. Uh, we had a couple of people saying, how do you spell coffee in the past? So I thought I'd best... Just uh, the pronunciation that, well. always that, that always baffles me is where you, where you keep going for Kofi. Like I can understand Kofi as in lo-fi or coffee as in the drink, but Kofi as, as in Anan <laughs> is the one that baffles me. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Um, so yeah, 
Anyway, thank you very much to everybody and apologies for the weird pronunciation, which I didn't realise was an issue, <laughs> but apparently it's an issue. Yeah, um, every and, week. Uh, yeah, we've, uh, our elves this week, twofold elves, have been busy, uh, I believe, uh, working on finding out the even more facts, <clears throat> facts um, for these lovely donors. So if I read out the names, uh, hopefully there will be some... Nonsense. <laughs> you, you ready, Mike? <laughs> All right. So, um, Juliet Schwab. Okay, Juliet Schwab is currently pitching around her idea for a modern remake of the movie The Piano. Um, her version is going to feature more mechs and kung fu than the original. Ooh, kung fu. Uh, Sam Cornwell. Sam Cornwell, the most... Ruthless King of England since Edward the Longshanks. <laughs> Jonathan Becker. Uh, Jonathan Becker thinks that the only ring- reason penguins can't fly is that their wings are just too cold to flap properly. Um, and if they were moved you know, somewhere nice and... If they moved penguins to Hawaii, he bets they'd soar like eagles, majestic eagles. Duncan Gavin. Duncan Gavin. Kills men by the hundreds. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his ass. <laughs> oh, Having met Duncan, I think we can confirm that's true. Jayabat. Uh, Jayabat is trying to crossbreed um, German shepherd dogs with hippopotamuses. Hippopotami? Hip, hip, anyway, hippos uh, to create the ultimate guard dog for water parks. <laughs> All right. Uh, Martin Smith. Martin Smith. Men fight for him because if they do not, he throws them off their land and starves their wives and children. <laughs> I, there seems to be a running theme of a battle. In, in the... I love the fact that it, although Mike has in spent Mike... time in the UK, he, as far as he's concerned now, the UK is just Game of Thrones. <laughs> Pretty far, <Graham. laughs> uh, James Thorpe. Uh, Jer- James Thorpe tried to set a world record for paddling across the Atlantic in a yacht made entirely of cheese, but only got a mile and a half out before rats ate through his mast. Um, the only thing that saved him was his Ritz Cracker lifeboat. Oh, this is like who 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 made the camera out cheese? Somebody made the camera out cheese recently as well. Uh, yes. Um, Yes. Uh, oh, I think it was Brendan, wasn't it? It was Brendan, yes. Yes, that's right. Um, Hilary Clark is our last one for today. Hilary Clark. One day she will be queen and must open her eyes. William Wallace will not be ruled, nor any other free Scotsman while he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike. Mike, Mike, Mike. Uh, they were brilliant. Thank you, Mike. Wonderful. And thank well you. Well done, your elves. Yes, thank yes. you so much to everybody who supports us on coffee. Um, as Rachel said at the beginning, we appreciate it uh, more than you could ever imagine. Um, and it's, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, well, I think that does about do us for this week. Um, hopefully, on this week's Sunny 16 podcast out on Thursday, we will be having more inspirational chats, I hope, because I still need some inspiring about the Day Into Night project. Mike, have you heard about our uh, Day Into Night assignment? 
Yeah, I've been listening. Like I said, I got a two-hour commute to work, so I've been listening to lots of podcasts, and I have my idea. You, I was ooh. thinking of using uh, two different negatives shot at the same spot, one at daytime, one at nighttime, mm-hmm. and then just making a single print from that yeah. image. Two negatives, yeah. like uh, use the star trails, you know, burn in the star trails for the sky and then have Mm -hmm. daylight uh palm trees or whatever i have on the bottom there oh man uh god i really want to see that please 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 do that this is the thing whenever somebody says their idea i'm like oh my god i want to see that so badly um I saw this week on uh, Twitter, and also he sent me a picture, um, our good friend Alex Purcell has designed and built his take on a day-into-night camera. It's a bit simpler, <laughs> quite sensibly, than some of the things that Ethan was coming up with. Um, it's kind of like a- You guys were going on the last podcast. I was, you know, I, I got it, but that'd be a hell of a thing to make. Yeah, The, the yeah. can inside the can with the slit that rotates around. Well, what... What Alex has made, it's a shoebox pin. It's a pinhole camera made out. I think it's a shoebox, um, and he's got an old battery. Not an old. He's bought a new battery-operated clock, and made like a circle, and cut a wedge out of it. So as the clock ticks round, it will gradually expose the picture um, over a long period of time. And then he's used an ND filter so that as the i don't know it's it sounds complicated but he's made it, it. does and he was no, gonna be- some of these ideas are are awesome and you know pretty involved yeah it's, it's fantastic if people put in all that time at work to make something cool like that i think it's Super cool. Yeah, and, and as I said, I think I, I, when I retweeted what Alex was doing, I said it's not about whether you succeed or whether you fail. It's just about the adventure you're going on. It's about the journey to get yeah. there. And um, uh, I just love seeing it all. So um, thank you so much to everybody getting involved with that. And yes, hopefully we will have Ian Barnaby Nutt joining us for this week's Sunny 16 podcast. Um, and maybe somebody else, I don't know, we will see. But uh, if not, hopefully, definitely, hopefully, definitely, <laughs> which is the um, <laughs> less well-known follow-up to definitely, maybe, um, uh, <laughs> Ian will be with us. So that'll be fantastic. So we haven't had Ian on the podcast proper before now. Um, no, we haven't. He sent us in some audio in the past and uh, re- thoroughly enjoyed listening to him. And obviously he's got his own podcast himself now. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that conversation and hearing how he might be approaching the assignment. Yeah. Um, Mike, where can people find you on the internet? And are you still doing your occasional um, singing sensation stories? <laughs> On Instagram. I'm definitely doing for one. I think uh, maybe I'll do a little South Pacific on my next one. One of my favorite musicals by far. Uh, yeah, Aloha underscore Big Mike on the Instagram. And that's pretty much all I do. Just pop on there every now and then. Well, Mike's a goddamn delight. So everyone should be following <laughs> him. And I think probably everybody is already. So, um, But if not, go do that now. Um, and uh, yeah, Rach, anything else we need to think about? um i don't think so uh just to say for anybody who's uh who was supporting photo uh classic international um the there's the discount code in the new issue so that you'll be able to get a discount on future issues of that so uh make sure you don't miss out on on your subscription for that awesome. it was nice 
nice to finally talk to you, Rachel. It really was, Mike. It's been lovely to uh, uh, hear your your dulcet tones previously and uh, to finally get a chance to have a, a proper chat. And I'm absolutely thrilled to hear that the Hawaii Dart Room is um, thriving now. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it will be something that I know will be indispensable to a lot of people. So awesome work with that. And, you know, we would still absolutely love to come and see you. Um, maybe Anytime. one day. Well, maybe Hopefully. one day. We'll see. <laughs> oh, I'd love to. be great. We're saving the Good talking to you, Graham. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get out of here then, listeners. Uh, until next time, everybody. Have a lovely week. <laughs> Have a lovely week. <laughs>